Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Melissa Giles, Director of Portfolio Management with Americana Partners. I'll be reviewing the August market commentary provided by David M. Darst, Chief Investment Officer with Americana Partners. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. The first section I will be covering is called Where We Are. For U.S. equity markets, as represented by the S&P 500 index, especially after June's dismal negative 8.4% decline, which contributed to the woeful negative 20.6% price performance for the first half of this year, its worst first half performance in 52 years. The high summer month of July rose an impressive positive 9.1%. The gain represents its best monthly price performance since November 2020, which, with the national elections and the announcement of an effective COVID-19 vaccine, featured a gain of positive 10.8%. During July's weeks, equity prices appeared to have recaptured a sense of rejuvenation similar to that expressed by author Francis Scott Key Fitzgerald, 1896-1940 in his 1925 novel, The Great Gatsby. As the book's narrator, Nick Carraway, after his move from the Midwest to West Egg, New York, asserts, and so with the sunshine and the great bursts of leaves growing on the trees, just as things grow fast in movies, I had that familiar conviction that life was beginning over again with summer. In brief, among other influences, the primary stimuli for financial markets July advance were one, Quite a few better-than-expected corporate profit reports and management's basically sanguine commentary about the future outlook. Two, meaningful declines in U.S. Treasury security yields from their mid-June highs through July's close, with two-year Treasury notes down negative 25 basis points, 10-year Treasury bonds declining negative 61 basis points, and 30-year Treasury bonds declining negative 35 basis points, and not least three gradually increasing investor perceptions due to the first half 2022 real GDP contraction in the U.S., reduced supply chain and logistics imbalances, and softening in numerous commodities prices, that the Federal Reserve may not have to be as aggressive in tightening monetary policy as once thought. The month's financial narrative unfolded with the following developments. One, two-year U.S. Treasury yields ranged between a low of 2.82% on July 5th and a high of 3.25% on July 20th, before closing at 2.89% on July 29th. Two, 10-year U.S. Treasury yields ranged between a low of 2.81% on July 25th and 26th and a high of 3.09% on July 8th, before closing at 2.67% on July 29th. Three, 30-year U.S. Treasury yields ranged between a low of 3.0% on July 22nd and a high of 3.27% on July 8th, before closing at 3.0% on July 29th. 4. The DXY U.S. dollar index versus the six major currencies rose positive 1.1% over the month up positive 10.3% year-to-date, and ranged from a low of 105.14 on July 1st and 4th to a high of 108.54 on July 14th before closing at 105.83 on July 29th. 5. The VIX Equity Volatility Index spent most of July's 21 trading sessions in the mid-20s, with daily closes ranging between a low of 21.33 on July 29th and a high of 27.54 on July 5th.
six investors reacted to still-elevated inflation readings, a near-record low reading, 51.5, for the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index, four months in a row of declining leading economic indicators. A preliminary report of second quarter 2022 U.S. real GDP showing a decline of negative 0.9% after first quarter 2022's decline of negative 1.61%. Slowing data for PMI services, 47.0 and PMI Manufacturing, 52.3. The Federal Reserve's second consecutive 75 basis point policy rate increase on July 27th. Very gradual reopening signs in the pandemic lockdown in China and indeterminate developments in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. 7. The technology-heavy Nasdaq Composite Index rose an imposing positive 12.4% in June, and having now managed to generate a gain in just two months of the year, positive 3.4% in March, is down negative 20.8% year-to-date. 8. The July price change for five mega-capitalization technology companies was Apple, positive 17.0%, Microsoft, positive 9.3%, Amazon, positive 27.1%, Alphabet, positive 6.8%, and Meta Platforms, negative 0.3%. 9. The S&P GS Commodity Price Index at 693.50 decreased negative 2.6% in July after declining negative 9.8% in June. 10. In descending order, the July price performance of the 11 S&P 500 industry sectors was consumer discretionary, positive 14.0%, negative 9.5% in June. Information technology, positive 12.8%, negative 8.2% in June. Real estate, positive 8.2%, negative 7.5% in June. Industrials, positive 7.3%, negative 7.8% in June. Financials, positive 5.5%, negative 10.3% in June. Energy, positive 4.9%, negative 15.3% in June. Materials, positive 4.7%, negative 13.0% in June. Utilities, positive 4.5%, negative 6.2% in June. Consumer staples, positive 3.9%, negative 2.8% in June. Healthcare, positive 3.5%, negative 2.5% in June. And communication services, positive 2.9%, negative 6.2% in June. As investors enter the eighth month of 2022, on average over the 94 years from 1928 through 2021 inclusive, the month of August with its historical positive 0.7% price gain for the S&P 500 ranks seventh among the best price performing months among the 12 months in more than nine decades of monthly performance ranking. It is worth repeating that these nine decade results are averages with a given month's outcome definitely having the potential to vary above or below the long-term average. After rising in three of the last four weeks of July, the S&P 500 finished up positive 9.1%, 4,130.29 on July 29th versus 3,785.38 on June 30th. The Nasdaq Composite advanced positive 12.4% in July, and the Russell 2000 Index of Small and Mid-Cap Companies gained positive 10.4% over the month.
Over the course of July, West Texas intermediate crude oil prices declined negative 6.8 percent from $105.76 per barrel on June 30th to $98.62 per barrel on July 29th. The global oil demand side continues to reflect signs of China's COVID-19 lockdowns easing, slowing momentum in the global economy, fuel shortages, currently low levels of inventories and spare capacity limited to a few countries, and precautionary buying. While on the supply side, one, the five-month Russia-Ukraine conflict continues to create significant demand and supply disruptions. Two, several nations, especially the U.S. and including certain allies, have launched the release of crude oil from their respective strategic petroleum reserves. Three, Iran continues with the nuclear talks begun on November 29th, which could in theory increase the supply of Iranian oil officially entering global oil markets if economic sanctions on Iran are relaxed. Four, facing pressure from investors to moderate growth and address their emissions amid concerns about increasing regulations and climate change, large U.S. and European oil companies have continued to spend sparingly to boost production, even as certain major oil companies have halted and or completely exited their Russian activity. Five, consolidating U.S. shale producers have exercised financial probity, have not excessively increased output in reaction to higher crude prices have followed production discipline and exerted capital spending restraint, and six, following the 30th OPEC and non-OPEC ministerial meeting on Thursday, June 30th, the group, which includes Saudi Arabia, Russia, the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Iraq, and other countries, agreed to keep the rate of their monthly output increases at an agreed pace of 648,000 barrels per day in August of this year, with Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates likely to account for most of the supply increases. At the 31st OPEC Plus ministerial meeting scheduled for Wednesday, August 3rd, the organization decided on production quotas for September. During July, the U.S. dollar rose positive 1.1% versus the DXY index, comprised of six major currencies, the euro, Japanese yen, British pound, Canadian dollar, Swiss franc, and Swedish krona. On July 29th, the DXY index closed at 105.83, positive 10.3% versus its level of 95.97 on December 31, 2021. Reflecting varying degrees of competition from short-term interest rates over the course of the past month, the daily spot gold price, as logged by USA Gold, closed at $1,766.16 per troy ounce on July 29th, down negative 2.1% during July and down negative 3.4% from its close of $1,829.05 per troy ounce on December 31st, 2021. July month and closing yield levels for two-year, 10-year, and 30-year U.S. Treasury securities. For two-year U.S. Treasury securities, yields declined three basis points in July to 2.89% at month-end, where they are up 216 basis points since their closing level of 0.73% on December 31, 2021. For 10-year U.S. Treasury securities, yields fell 31 basis points in June and closed at 2.67% at the end of the month, where they are up 115 basis points since their closing level of 1.52% on December 31, 2021. For 30-year U.S. Treasury securities, yields dropped 14 basis points in June and reached 3.0% at the end of the month, where they are up 110 basis points since their closing level of 1.90% on December 31, 2021. Now let's review several of the key factors that we consider at this time are likely to exert meaningful influence on financial asset prices in the interval ahead. 
factors likely to exert significant influence on financial asset prices. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, widely regarded as the accepted authority on the English language and containing the meaning, history, and pronunciation of 600,000 past and present words from across the English-speaking word, a dichotomy represents a division or contrast between two things that are or are represented as being opposed or entirely different. The term dichotomy, derived from the ancient Greek diko, meaning into or apart, plus tomia, meaning a cut or a slice, could surely be used to describe the range of prevailing opinions about the likely course of three of the significant near and intermediate term influences on financial asset prices, inflation, monetary policy and interest rates, and the economy and corporate profits. Inflation. The inflation dichotomy may be simply expressed as one, inflation rates appear to be peaking and are likely to trace a downward path on a sufficiently sustained basis to allow the authorities at the Federal Reserve and other major central banks to reduce the degree of restrictive monetary policy later this year or after the turn of the new year, versus two, although inflation rates may come down somewhat from their 50-decade highs, they could very well have become anchored enough in psychology, behavior, and labor costs to remain elevated well above the Fed's positive 2.0% targeted annual pace of inflation. Peaking Inflation Arguments The factors marshaled in support of the narrative of peaking inflation rates are 1. Declines in the AAA regular unleaded national average gasoline price in the Bloomberg Industrial Metals Sub-Index in lumber quotes and in wheat prices. 2. The significant decline in the three-month percentage change in the U.S. M2 money supply, frequently a reliable, several months ahead precursor of future price trends. 3. Based on the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland's inflation now-casting tool, which incorporates inputs from oil prices, gasoline prices, and consumer prices, compared to the reported inflation rates for July, August month-over-month percent change and year-over-year percent change, with one exception, the Core Consumer Price Index, for the Consumer Price Index, the Core Consumer Price Index, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, and the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index for both July and August are forecasted to be below the actual reported numbers for June. And four, as reported in the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey, consumers' one-year inflation expectations at positive 5.2% have been evidencing an incipient decline. And perhaps more notably, consumers' 5- to 10-year inflation expectations at positive 2.8% have also been declining and remain well below their one-year inflation expectations. Persistent Inflation Arguments The year-over-year path of headline consumer price inflation, core consumer price inflation, and headline producer price inflation, households and businesses have begun to integrate inflationary beliefs into their thinking and behavior as they have faced significantly higher year-over-year price levels ever since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic in early 2020. On a quarter-over-quarter and year-over-year basis as measured by the Employment Cost Index, labor costs have risen significantly. The Employment Cost Index, ECI, published by the U.S. Department of Labor's Bureau of Labor Statistics, BLS, represents a quarterly measure of the change in the cost of labor, free from the influence of employment shifts among occupations and industries. The compensation series includes changes in 1. wages and salaries, and 2. employer costs for employee benefits. Against a backdrop of higher consumer and producer price inflation, labor costs have exhibited a meaningful upward trend 
trend. Such costs have historically tended to be asymmetrically stickier to the upside than to the downside. Entering the second half of 2022 and absent any large-scale shocks arising from energy supply and demand, public health and or climatological conditions, monetary, fiscal, and currency policies, and regulatory, political, or geopolitical developments, we are of the belief that inflation is likely to trend downward, albeit at a slow pace, to an elevated plateau level well above the widely cited positive 2.0% circumstances of the pre-COVID years, perhaps at the positive 3.5 to 4.5% range in 2023 and on into 2024. Monetary Policy and Interest Rates The monetary policy and interest rates dichotomy revolves around whether the Federal Reserve will, one, continue its restrictive monetary policy as expressed via a rising and enduringly high Fed funds target rate well into 2023, and beyond if necessary, to quell inflationary pressures or to begin the process of easing policy by lowering the Fed Fund's target rate sometime after the beginning of the 2023 calendar year. Continued Restrictive Monetary Policy Arguments The reasoning behind opinions that monetary policy tightness will be maintained include 1. The fact that at 2.50%, the upper bound of the Fed Fund's target rate only just now risen to equal its pre-pandemic level where it is considerably below prior peak upper bounds of the Fed Fund's target rate exceeding 5.0% in 2008 and 6.0% in 2001. Two, with July's year-over-year -year headline inflation rates of positive 9.1% for the Consumer Price Index, positive 11.3% for the Producer Price Index, and positive 6.8% for the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, it may be asserted that two-year U.S. Treasury bond yields of 2.86% and 10-year U.S. Treasury bond yields of 2.68% leave real interest rates equal to nominal interest rates minus the prevailing inflation rate in deeply negative territory. Such conditions may be considered a still highly stimulative state of affairs, while appearing to indicate that nominal yield levels need to rise considerably to achieve the restrictive potency of positive real interest rates, even if inflation rates in fact begin to follow a downward trajectory. 3. As of early August, futures market pricing shows only an expected positive 93 basis points increase for the Fed funds rate between the July 26th, 27th Federal Open Market Committee meeting and the end of 2022. Additionally, market expectations of a 60 basis point decline in the Fed funds target rate between year-end 2022 and year-end 2023. Towards Accommodative Monetary Policy in essence, the chief argument for an early shift by the Federal Reserve toward easing monetary policy conditions centers on expectations that a broad-based economic recession may already be underway or is likely to arrive late this year or early next year. In this scenario, the recession would be doing the economic tightening and inflation fighting, freeing up the Federal Reserve to adopt a more supportive role when needed. As adumbrated by an inverted, negatively sloped instead of a normal positively sloped yield curve between 10-year and 2-year U.S. Treasury securities, or alternatively between 10-year and 3-month U.S. Treasury securities, such conditions have, to a reliable degree in the past, foretold an impending economic recession. Current 10-year minus 2-year U.S. Treasury curve inversion exceeds the inversion immediately prior to the 2008-2009 economic retrenchment and has reached levels last seen prior to the 2001 economic recession. At this point, we are of the opinion that the Federal Reserve is likely to continue monetary tightening in order 1. To slow inflation through a. The direct effect of higher interest rates on the real economy, as well as through b. Asset price declines in the highly financialized U.S. economy. 2. 
to argument the central bank's inflation-fighting credentials, and three, to build up higher levels of policy interest rates in order to be able to pivot and stimulate the economy through interest rate cuts as recessionary episodes appear. We also expect the economy to continue slowing in response to one, elevated rates of inflation inhibiting overall demand, two, further increases in monetary policy interest rates, and three, quantitative tightening, monthly reductions of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, scheduled to double to a monthly rate of $95 billion commencing September 1st. Our stance at this point is to take advantage of any meaningful rise in prevailing yield levels to modestly add funds to intermediate and longer-duration fixed-income securities and other beneficiaries of declining interest rates. The economy and corporate profits. The economy and corporate profits dichotomy hinges upon one a more positive than expected economic trajectory for the next two or three calendar quarters, counterposed against two numerous signs of deteriorating economic vigor and the resultant likely downward adjustments to earnings results in the latter half of 2022 and on into calendar 2023 possibly overblown recession fears. According to the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis, the first quarter 2022 gap stands at the highest level in more than 30 years between 1. America's economic results as measured on an income basis using real gross domestic income GDI to aggregate the country's incomes earned and the costs incurred in the production of gross domestic product, and 2. America's economic results as measured on an output basis using real gross domestic product to measure the monetary value of final goods and services, that is, those that are bought by final users, counting all of the output generated within the borders of the country. In the past, this divergence is usually reconciled through an upward revision to the nation's GDP measures, possibly indicating a more robust than recently reported U.S. economy. When parsing the sectoral contributions to the negative 1.6% real GDP result for first quarter 2022, primarily due to a poor performance in the net exports owing to the strong U.S. dollar and the negative 0.9% real GDP result for second quarter 2022, primarily due to inventory drawdowns, it is illuminating to consider final sales to domestic purchasers, equal to the sum of personal consumption, and excludes both the change in inventories and in trade, were actually positive for first half 2022 overall. They fell just negative 0.3% in second quarter 2022 after having risen positive 2.0% in first quarter 2022. Building upon robust income generation and jobs growth in the first half of 2022, an additional indication that recession fears may be overly elevated at present can be found in the upcoming annual benchmark restatement of U.S. GDP scheduled for September. In our opinion, based on the decades-wide GDI-GDP gap, it appears distinctly possible that the nation's economy may be shown to be more vigorous than widely considered at this point. Positive equity performance may exert a salubrious influence on the economy if the S&P 500 index should repeat the positive performance generated in the 12 months following the 18 midterm elections since 1950. Risk of slowing economic growth and downward profit trends. Signs of declining economic stamina are 1. A rise in companies' mentions of employee layoffs. 2. A plunging Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index. 3. A downward-trending ISM Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index. 4. Low levels of small business optimism. And 5. 
four consecutive of month-over-month declines in the leading economic index. In its July 2022 World Economic Outlook, the International Monetary Fund, IMF, now projects that global real growth is projected to slow from an estimated positive 6.1% in 2021 to positive 3.2% in 2022 and positive 2.9% in 2023. This new forecast is negative 0.8 and negative 0.2 percentage points lower for 2022 and 2023 than the IMF projected in January. For the U.S., the IMF projects that real GDP will grow positive 2.3% in 2022, below its April forecast of positive 3.7%. For 2023, the IMF reduced its U.S. real GDP growth forecast to positive 1.0% from positive 2.3% earlier. As a result of what appears to be widespread economic deceleration due to Federal Reserve monetary policy tightening, slower growth abroad, and the vitiating economic impact of inflation on consumers and businesses, the Bloomberg U.S. 2023 GDP growth consensus forecast has been trending lower to a below IMF estimate of positive 1.4%, even as a 2023 core PCE inflation year-over-year consensus forecast has been trending higher to positive 3.0%. It should come as no surprise that slowing economic growth has begun to take a toll on corporate earnings guidance. With only 20% of S&P 500 companies issuing a higher profit outlook, down from more than 70% at the beginning of this year, and analysts downgraded earnings revisions, reaching 60% of all earnings revisions, down considerably from 30% at the beginning of this year. According to FactSet's aggregation of analysts' S&P 500 components earnings estimates, as of August 3rd, S&P 500 companies' 2022 earnings are projected to come in at $227, as compared to $230 estimated in June, and 2023 earnings are projected to come in at $245 as compared to $252 estimated in June. In our opinion, in the belief that we are not out of the woods yet, after the price-earnings multiple contraction that has taken place in the first half of this year, we expect analysts' S&P 500 earnings estimates to be revised downward further as the year progresses, which is likely to exert downward pressure on equity prices. We therefore emphasize caution, discipline, deliberation, and unhurriedness in increasing exposure to risk assets, with an emphasis on quality and a favorable risk-reward calculus for existing asset allocations and new capital commitments. Now let's discuss portfolio positioning. Portfolio Positioning Strategies Following the S&P 500's well-above-average total return performance of positive 31.5% in 2019, positive 18.4% in 2020, and positive 28.7% in 2021, and in the current environment of one monetary policy abridgment via interest rate increases and quantitative tightening, two, slowing economic outcomes, and three, elevated inflation, we believe that careful thought, planning, and attention need to be devoted to the investor's most appropriate forms and vehicles for implementing the fundamental elements of asset allocation and investment strategy, which include one, diversification, While it does not by any means guarantee a profit or insure against a loss, diversification means including low and negatively correlated investment exposures that truly counterbalance price movements in other assets, particularly during times of significant financial stress and or rising financial asset volatility and also during intervals of trendless asset price movements. 2. Rebalancing 
which encompasses consideration of when to use concepts of reversion to the mean and market price dislocations to term exposures to assets that have grown to represent too large a portion of the overall portfolio, while at the same time adding exposures to high-quality assets that have fallen out of investor favor and suffered significant, though deemed not permanent, price declines versus intrinsic value. 3. Risk Management which involves recognizing when markets have become consumed by unrealistic expectations, meme securities, excessive speculation, momentum plays, story stocks, and information overload, a situation that has pertained at various times last year and earlier this year to a number of companies in certain parts of the cryptocurrency realm and the technology spectrum, and understanding the degree of liquidity, the true pricing realism, and the appropriate roles of short-term liquid securities, real assets, financial assets, and alternative assets during intervals of geopolitical disturbance, and especially in years-long or even in decades-long regimes of inflation, stagflation, deflation, monetary disruptions, and currency resets. 4. Reinvestment, which encompasses knowing when to emphasize and trade off income return versus capital growth, all the while keeping in mind the critical importance of discipline, equanimity, patience, perspective, cost consciousness, tax awareness, and longevity in capturing and compounding dividend coupon rental maturing securities, and other forms of income and capital flows, and 5. Asset protection and husbandry, which encompass considerations of current and likely future income, wealth, and capital gains taxation at the state, local, federal, and possibly international level, estate planning, relevant insurance design and structuring, cybersecurity shielding, portfolio monitoring and reporting, administrative expenses, forms, frequency, and means of asset access and asset custody. Portfolio Positioning Principles, with approximately a 40% weighting to growth, 30% to value, and 30% to defensive-style rubrics, we continue to allocate a meaningful exposure to equities, leavened by judicious apportionments to short-term high-quality income-generating instruments, about which we have, in July 2022, published two notes, one, short-term liquidity investments, and two, income-oriented investments with prudent shifts between style sectors, geographies, and where appropriate from a cost-timing tax liquidity and size standpoint, public versus private markets. Given the equity and fixed income price swings of the past three years expressed are a number of themes that we believe should be taken into consideration over the next few quarters and years in selecting asset categories, asset classes, asset managers, sectors, companies, and security types. 1. Paying attention to the value of money, taking advantage of, rather than being taken advantage by, the consequences of money printing, internal and external currency debasement, government debt monetization, and the modern monetary theory approach that to some degree in the pandemic response era has at times been pursued by the authorities, within shifting money and credit cycles, to service America's massive explicit government and corporate indebtedness, and the enormous implicit obligations of pension and health care benefit promises. 2. Concentrating on all-weather sectors and companies, seeking investments with balance and flexibility that are able to thrive regardless of which political persuasion informs the thinking and policies of the White House, Congress, the judiciary, the state legislatures, and relevant domestic and international regulatory authorities, evolving environmental, social, and governance ESG priorities and values, wealth distribution initiatives, and public health conditions, episodes of geopolitical tension, such as have especially pertained since February of this year, entente and detente, and wider socioeconomic trends.
Three, distinguishing between temporary and permanent change, focusing on commercial, financial, and labor cost implications of new social and political power structures, alliances, and global associations, new energy sources and resources, new trade channels, new on- and offshoring structures, new cost, logistical, supply chain, and transportation modalities, hybrid, work-from-home and work-from-anywhere employment patterns, and new business models, pathways, digitalizations, and forms of person-to-person and business-to-business work, leisure, learning, and wellness activity. Four, taking advantage of demographic tailwinds through select U.S. and non-U.S. companies, recognizing current economic currency, public health and financial challenges facing several emerging markets, and using significant asset price and valuation discontinuities, shifts in exchange rates, and changes in consumer and business preferences to gain exposure to and benefit from the rising needs, aspirations, and appropriate spending power of the expanding global middle class. 5. Comprehending and verifying past success. Emphasizing companies and sectors that have demonstrated successful track records and past experience in competitive preeminence, abundant free cash flow generation, capital allocation skill, balance sheet strength, risk management, sustainably defendable business models, and the ability to maintain high multi-year returns on equity derived from revenue growth and favorable margin preservation rather than through disproportionately high levels of leverage, meaningfully above the companies and sectors weighted average cost of capital, and six, identifying innovative and disruptive technology hegemons, recognizing when at various points in economic and financial market cycles to focus on and when to reduce exposure to technology enablers, disruptors, and dominators in such fields as diagnostics, biotechnology, and therapeutics based on CRISPR, weight management and well-being, public health, medical nutrition, regenerative medicine, artificial intelligence, data analytics, machine learning, 5G cellular network technology, the Internet of Things, infrastructure, robotics, retraining, quantum computing, battery inventions, alternative energy, virtual reality and augmented reality devices, hypersonic aviation, electric vehicles, and cybersecurity, while not least also taking account of the environmental, social, and governance, ESG, risks, aspirations, and initiatives of companies in these and other fields. Portfolio Positioning Tactics 1. Keeping things in perspective. Many of the overarching themes and conditions that influence our intermediate and long-term asset allocation and investment strategy emphasize the need to recognize that the concepts and implementation methods intended to achieve safety, balance, purchasing power protection, diversification, and liquidity are likely to face evolving and sometimes rapidly shifting internal financial market dynamics, legal frameworks, taxation regimes, regulatory emphases, social priorities, geopolitical power relationships, price level changes, demographic trends, indebtedness levels, technological penetration and usages, financial structures, currency systems, and importantly, perceptions of the definition role, degree of physicality, embodiment, and value of money itself, too, flexibility versus conviction in formulating investment thinking, in seeking to determine when to adhere to and when to lean against prevailing consensus views.
Such views have sometimes been pejoratively referred to as groupthink. It is important to critically question the soundness and durability of the reasoning and assumptions underlying a given investment framework and positioning at any point in time. While it at intervals may not make sense to hold out of consensus views, often expressed as fighting the tape, at other times, especially at major cyclical or secular turning points, at a significant asset top, when reality is finally found to fall short of prevailing overly optimistic expectations or a major asset bottom, when reality is shown to be worth considerably more than prevailing overly pessimistic expectations, the rewards of implementing a contrarian stance can be quite meaningful. 3. Enhancing and Preserving even with some of the speculative fervor having materially diminished thus far this year in more than a few areas of the financial realm, we still confess to a degree of unease over several lingering manifestations of investor exuberance and the popularity of certain securities and sectors considered to be forever holdings. Our preference at this juncture remains to take note of the Federal Reserve's explicit policy measures to rein in inflation, while taking advantage of episodes of asset price strength to continue the regimen of upgrading positions, offloading lower quality, higher risk assets, and with timing and price discipline, gradually adding to attractively priced higher quality assets on equity market pullbacks. With monetary policy interest rate increases and quantitative tightening, Federal Reserve balance sheet reduction underway, slow growth in China and slowing growth in Europe, and in view of our expectation of continued asset price volatility in the months ahead, Prudence counsels formulating specific game plans to take advantage of financial asset price retrenchments as a key element determining the timing and amount of new capital commitments. 4. Equity emphases and de-emphases. In the current conditions of higher U.S. Treasury interest rates at the short end of the maturity spectrum, to us it appears likely that cash-generating, financially stable companies with robust growth prospects, which are able to operate and thrive against a distinctly unsettled geopolitical backdrop, and in the digital sphere, as they continue to enhance their business models, deserve to retain some degree of valuation affirmation. Within equities, one we recommend continuing to gradually shift emphasis toward high-quality dislocated growth sectors companies and managers using proceeds from reduced exposure to select value and defensive sectors companies and managers, while retaining a focus in these two sectors on energy, industrials, select financials, materials, and consumer staples, and a concomitant de-emphasis on companies and sectors dependent on access to low-cost energy, too. We continue to counsel very selectively, adding small and mid-cap companies or investment managers specializing in and with good track records in this space to our primary emphasis emphasis on large capitalization enterprises and three, for the time being, while we continue to prefer a tactical overweighting to U.S. domestic equities with pullbacks such as those encountered in January, April, and June viewed as an opportunity to only carefully and highly selectively add equities, particularly those sectors and companies likely to thrive in a less predictable economic environment. We also espouse holding or gradually building relatively defined allocations to global leaders listed in international markets. 5. Focus on strength and quality. Our long-term equity portfolio weightings continue to emphasize asset manager sectors and specific companies that can benefit from the major identifiably sustained trends of the 2020-2030 decade, including 1. Incremental growth in a wide range of economic circumstances. 2. A focus on economic and infrastructure repair, digitalization, e-commerce, personal wellness, safety, domesticity, home improvement, and sustainable consumer demand, and three, advantageous capture of benefits from onshoring, supply chain redesign, and deglobalization as important drivers of capital spending and disruptive innovation. At the company level in equities, 
we emphasize identifying and building long-term exposure to firms possessing fortress-like, cash-rich, balance sheets, prudence and balance sheet utilization, limited debt, consistency and durability of positive free cash flow generation, dividend strength, and competitive business models with abiding competitive advantages, high barriers to entry, low threat of substitute products, and enduring pricing power vis-a-vis -vis suppliers and or customers that over a long time frame can generate high returns on equity through revenue growth and sustainable profit margins rather than through unhealthily high levels of leverage. At the current time, we recommend that consideration be given to top quality companies in the healthcare and consumer staple sectors, as well as firms exceptionally positioned to benefit from inflationary forces in the real asset sectors that have demonstrated an ability to take an advantage of shifting price level changes. 6. Balancing Growth and Value Sectors At its closing level of 2,464.96 on Friday, July 29, the price return of the Russell 1000 Growth Index, symbol RLG and including companies in sectors such as technology, healthcare, and communication services, was, according to the Wall Street Journal, down negative 19.8% from its December 31, 2021 closing level of 3,074.99 while the price return of the Russell 1000 Value Index, symbol RLV, and including companies in sectors such as financial, real estate, energy, utility, and industrial businesses, was at its closing level of 1520 on Friday, July 29th, according to the Wall Street Journal, down negative 8.2% from its December 31, 2021 closing level of 1655.73. This negative 11.6 percentage point value minus growth returns differential appears to argue for continuing a degree of balanced exposure in selected value sectors companies and managers, as well as in selected growth sectors companies and managers. As this process continues, it is worth keeping in mind that true value investing represents identifying and owning assets that are trading for less than they are actually worth not assets that are merely inexpensive. Many superficially inexpensive assets may be inexpensive for a reason and can very well remain so or deteriorate further. 7. Fixed Income Securities Reflecting some of their largest year-to-date price declines in more than three decades, U.S. Treasury bond prices year-to-date through July 29th have declined negative 2.9% in the 1-3 to year maturity range, negative 8.5% in the 7-10 to year maturity range, and negative 20.8% in the above 20-year maturity range. Even though yields have moved downward in the past month, to us they appear likely to be subject to conflicting forces, with higher yields coming from monetary tightening, perhaps counterbalanced by lower yields coming from the economic retrenchment brought about in the monetary tightening and outside the United States. According to Bloomberg, as of late June, a dramatically lower total of $1.7 trillion, down from $18 trillion in early 2021, was outstanding in global negative yielding sovereign and some corporate debt outstanding. We continue a preference for issuers at the high-quality end of the rating spectrum, both in taxable investment grade and high-yield bonds and in tax-exempt bonds, where we see some pockets of value on a taxable equivalent basis. To preserve value and generate income in the cross-current-laden environment we foresee in the second half of 2022, we prefer maturities and durations along the short to intermediate portion of the yield curve spectrum. 8. U.S. Dollar Outlook After declining negative 9.9% in 2017, appreciating positive 4.4% in 2018, marginally gaining positive 0.4% in 2019, and declining negative 3.4% in 2020, the DXY U.S. Dollar Index measured versus a basket of six major currencies, the euro, Japanese yen, Swedish krona, 
British pound, Canadian dollar, and Swiss franc had, as of its market close of 95.97 on December 31st, appreciated positive 6.7% in 2021. On Friday, July 29th, the DXY US dollar index had appreciated positive 10.3% year-to-date, closing at 105.83. Over the next few quarters, given our expectations of the Federal Reserve, one, continuing its policy interest rate increases, and two, commencing the process of reducing the size of its portfolio of US Treasury and mortgage-backed securities, we believe the U.S. dollar may rise relative to major currencies, including the euro and Japanese yen. In an environment of higher currency volatility, we expect a slower rate of increase in the U.S. dollar as well as intervals of U.S. dollar weakness alternating with episodes of U.S. dollar strength. 9. Alternative Investments and Real Assets In alternative investments, we continue our multi-quarter focus that has for some time emphasized exposure to 1. Commodities and real asset sectors of the economy, including industrial metals, agriculture, and materials. 2. Gold and or gold mining ETFs shares, particularly those miners with reserves in stable geographic locations, capital discipline, and cash flow growth. 3. High-quality master-limited partnerships with strong business models and sustainable dividend-paying capacity. 4. Select investments in private credit and private real estate. 5. And opportunistic strategies that are positioned to selectively derive meaningful value from dislocations created by geopolitical developments and or potentially injurious additional mutations of the coronavirus, as well as the economic and profits recuperation therefrom. Our investment strategy themes for 2022. In preparing portfolio positioning strategies, portfolio positioning principles, and portfolio positioning tactics for 2022, we again pay tribute to the oft-quoted observation of the 34th U.S. President and five-star general, Dwight David Eisenhower, 1890-1969, that plans are useless but planning is indispensable. With this wisdom in mind, our 2022 investment planning approach reflects and encompasses the following themes. 1. Growing but slowing GDP as forecast by the FOMC median projection, approximately positive 1.7% in 2022 and positive 1.9% in 2023. In 2022, S&P 500 profits, as estimated by FactSet, approximately positive 8.9%, with downside risk to both projections. 2. Implementing a restrictive monetary and fiscal policy backdrop. 3. Fluctuating financial asset prices in conditions featuring shifting performance leadership and increased equity volatility VIX, bond volatility MOVE, and currency volatility VXY. 4. Differentiating. With emphasis on greater discernment and selectivity in asset classes, managers, sectors, and companies. 5. Challenging. In an environment of reduced valuations, the easy money has been made. With the recent meaningful upward and downward swings in individual securities prices not a usual characteristic of bull markets. This concludes our August Market Commentary by David M. Darst. David is Americana Partners Chief Investment Officer. We are available to answer questions you may have regarding the topics discussed. If you'd like a full copy of the report, please visit our website at www.americanapartners.com and request to join our distribution list. Thank you for listening. This is Melissa Giles, Director of Portfolio Management with Americana Partners. Stay invested.